Welcome to Adaptations 2.0. So we decided to switch to a podcast format. We're just set up. We have invisible cats. The cats <laughs> are here with us in spirit. They're still on Twitter. You can find them on Twitter. Since we're new to podcasting, feel free to leave us comments and please share with your friends and tell them about Adaptations because we do have a real Adaptation for you today. Yeah. We're making a bit of a switch to truly bad adaptations. Today's masterpiece is MTV made for television, Wuthering Heights. Now, come back with us, if you will, to uh, the year 2003. The same year that Mormon Pride and Prejudice, our last video version of Adaptations, was released in 2003, as well as The Room. Things were very bright, apparently, back then. Um, lots of color and confusion about films. Except for Tommy Wiseau's hair. Yes, like, that was... Not bright. It's dark. It's always stayed dark. He just... <laughs> it's the vampire. Um, and in terms of music... Music. Uh, we have Avril Lavigne. Um, we have Fountains of Wayne. I'm sure, you all remember Stacy's mom. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson's Miss Independent. Yeah. Miss Independent. Is that what it was? Yeah. Fifty Cent. Um, Limp Biscuit. Uh, all of these. All of these. Which Stephanie just found out is spelled with a K. Yeah, I always thought it was. Um, <laughs> Paula Dean style biscuits, um, you know, the kind that you eat, but we're still trying to figure out what uh, the limp stands for. <laughs> so if uh, any of our listeners out there know what exactly he's alluding to, you know, hit us up. Yeah. Let us know. Scholarly pursuits. <laughs> what grad students do. So um, you've probably figured out uh, by now that the MTV version of Wuthering Heights is uh, an adaptation of a famous novel. By Emily Bronte, so one of the three Bronte sisters. They also had a brother named Branwell, pretty great name, and uh, was addicted to opium. The three sisters are known for their novels. Gothic literature, I guess, right? Yeah, most of them fit gothic. Um, so Charlotte Bronte with Jane Eyre. Mm -hmm. Emily Bronte, who's the subject of this episode, um, with Wuthering Heights. <laughs> And poor Anne with a bunch of books that nobody really reads. Yeah, and I have a couple friends that actually like Anne the best. Yeah, I mean, she is an Anne. I think it's really Anne always, right? Jane Austen, right? Doesn't oh. she name her character Anne? Yeah, Anne, Anne Elliot. Anne Elliot, because she's yeah. just an Anne. Like, there's... Just, yeah, it's always like, the one left behind. It's the one that nobody nobody remembers. Yeah. yeah. There's that whole Arrested Development joke, Anne. Nobody can remember her name. Whatever happened to that Anne we were both so crazy about? You never liked Anne. So anyways, yeah, I guess Emily Bronte is known as the darkest Bronte sister. Well, Wuthering Heights is certainly... It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty dark. One of the darker novels. Yeah. Certainly the most torrid, which is part of the description on the DVD cover of MTV's Wuthering Heights, labeled by San Diego Union Tribune as, quote, a torrid love story. Just unquote. shout out to my hometown paper there, <laughs> SD, you know. Work in SoCal. They seem to really love this film, it's, so. It's, it is SoCal to the core. I just really want everybody to know, if you need a film that encapsulates Southern California circa 2003, right there is your film. Yeah, That's, the, like, shark tooth necklace. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the characters. Yeah. So instead of Heathcliff, we have Heath. Yes. And like the bard. And then what? what is Hendrix's name in the text? Um, I'm forgetting. Hindley? Yes, Hindley. Earnshaw is now Hendrix. Hendrix, which, I mean, wow. I mean, way to besmirch Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. We do have a rock princess in our film, the lesser-known Osborne sister, Amy Osborne, playing Raquel. The voice of reason throughout the entire film. She's a minor character. But we have a punk rock princess 
Um, Isabel. Who is uh, played by the magnificent Catherine Heigl. <laughs> Uh, Before she was known for anything, really. Yeah. Other than, is, Ro- was it Roswell is yeah, her only listed be, credit? And before she became a doctor on Grey's Anatomy, a very believable doctor. So wait, we went from Isabel to Izzy. Oh my God. Do you think that's the basis of it? Yeah, maybe. I mean, this is a modern adaptation, so wow. maybe when she got, you know, heartbroken by he, she went and got a degree. Oh my God. Okay, so we just, listeners, this is, nobody has made this a theory before, but... Katherine Heigl in MTV's Withering Heights becomes Dr. Izzy, whatever her last name is, on Grey's Anatomy. I mean, the prequel. There you go. Now you have fanfic to go, right? Wow. If you write fanfiction, send it to us. Yes, and we would, we'll read it on, yes. on the air. That's a promise. Yes. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, so we have our punk rock princess. Um, she's totally dark uh, because she has sex with random men in parking lots. And a whale tail tattoo, yeah. but we, on the wrong side. Yeah, it's, reverse uh, you know, whale tail. On under the belly button. So we've gone about this cast like the totally wrong way. We've also got Kate, who is adapted from Catherine Earnshaw. She is played by Erica Christensen, who is basically is a poor man's Julia Stiles. I mean, all of the cast can basically summed up as like the off-brand version of your favorite actors. Like yeah. So we've got Edward Linton, who is. Played by, let me see if I can tell. The guy from Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, he wears V-neck cardigans. Deep, deep V's. Um, and looks like Doogie Hauser or mm. uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. But basically we're just saying he looks like a white man. I mean, yeah, I mean, all of these characters. There's one point where uh, Kate is talking about how she is Heathcliff and Heathcliff is her. And I mean, quite literally, they are just a bunch of really bland white people. Yeah. That could all just morph together. Oh, and that's another thing. So our Heath is a uh, blonde Played yeah. by Mike Vogel, which is apparently, I mean, the draw for most people to watch this film. Yeah, have you ever heard of him? Not really. No. What is his credit exactly? Um, let's see. Uh, he's not listed in the first sentence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hot newcomer Mike Vogel portrays Heath, a musically talented homeless youth who brings <laughs> both desire and turmoil to a family living in a secluded lighthouse named The Heights. Oh, wow. Whatever happened to Wuthering? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Kate Bush sucked all the Wuthering out of the atmosphere. (laughs) You know, you can't compete with Kate. No, no. Kate can't compete with Kate. No. There are too many Kates in this whole thing. K-Kate is better than C-Kate. Yeah. Yeah. So Kate is whiny. Okay, so the beginning of the film... Oh, we also have the father, who's just named Earnshaw by everyone. Like, they don't call him dad. They, yeah, there's no there's no dad. Oh, oh yeah. No, we did Blink-182. I was going to say, did we forget about Blink- <laughs> No, we did the Olympus Oh, we forgot to say who that. Who played um, him? Let's see. Uh, is it Johnny Whitworth? Oh, was he actually a musician then? Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, he looked like a Blink-182. Blink-182. So I guess... That's our full cast. That's it, yeah. Um, so, yeah. The the film starts out with, like, child actors. The father goes out in some kind of thunderstorm. Oh, they yeah, so they own a lighthouse. But and it, it doesn't look leaves, like a lighthouse, right? Yeah, he leaves the lighthouse unmanned to go out on the what would be moors in the Bronte book, but are, like, cliffs in California. Heath cliffs. <laughs> That's where the cliff went. <laughs> Anyways. So we have the father, Earnshaw. Who likes to wear overalls. Yes. He wears one, uh, the overalls with one shoulder off. So it switches from one shoulder to the next. So that's how you know that time passed. 
Um, but he finds a young child out on the cliffs and just takes him home as a surprise for his two children because, you know, that's normal. Yeah, the police, Child Protective Services, um, hospitals, doctors do not exist in this world. Um, yeah. It's just, so it's like we're circa, what, 18, mid-1800s, early 1800s, like Bronte-esque era. So in terms of not having any public services, but we're in an updated version. It's it's bizarre. Like With the whole, like, 2003 awful fashion and really angsty music. So angsty. Mike Vogel, a.k.a. Heath, releases this rock album at the end called uh, If It Ain't Broke, Break It? And the album is just called Heath. <sighs> Anyways, we're skipping ahead. So Earnshaw brings home little Heath. Um, and he's adopted into the family. Our early voice of reason, um, uh, what's his name again? Blink-182. Yeah. <laughs> what was his name in the film? Oh, Hendrix. Hendrix is like, what? what? What's going on? He's astray. And Kate is seemingly already in love with him, even though he's to be her adopted brother. Yeah, and they really play up the idea that, like, we're family and more, like, sibling type of relationship. And yet, and yet we're going to have sex yeah, it's, in my studio. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's a thing. Um, and lots of incest. Yeah, lots of incestual undertones, yeah. overtones, just tones. Yeah. Also, I just want to point out, there's no Lockwood in this. Lockwood is like the love of my life. Like that is who I loved in that book. Yeah, so they got rid of the whole narrative frame, which is one of the interesting things about, I think, about Wuthering Heights is that, you know, outer frame and having a narrator sort of looking in on this torrid love story. It's it's such a vacant landscape. There are no adults, really. Yeah, so we do get a mother to Linton, but she just lives, like, she just exists in the film to give Kate a really awful dress. Yeah, and we just get the like a shot of the back of her head, so it's probably just Catherine Heigl with like an old wig on or something. <laughs> we get some adult hands <laughs> at one point, and then that um, creepy. probably the star of of the film is um, Macho Towing <laughs> and the tow truck driver who quotes, "What is it? It's something like." You crazy family, uh, what the hell do you want me to do with this wreck? Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's really um, the extent of the adults in our world. I mean, what... If- yeah, how old are they? Because we do know from the film that Isabel, at some point when she invites Heath to live with her, she's living in an all-girls dorm, um, which she has uh, taken her room, put some padding on the walls, and turned it into a studio for Heath. She's in preparatory school. So is that like high school age? Yeah, that will perhaps could also college? be eighteen and up. It's, a, okay. it's like a one year program to get into an Ivy, but it it seems like they're implying that there may be eight. I feel like this goes back. Maybe this was just eighteen, a, not eight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this thing of like two thousand and three, where people were just deeply confused about age, yeah. um, like Mormon Pride and Prejudice. You have yeah. twenty six year olds that are still in undergrad. Yeah, but at least they're going to classes. Like, yeah, that's true. They as, have something. As far as I know, Kate, Linton, Heath, and Hendrix all do nothing. No, they need hobbies. Yeah, well, their hobbies are playing music. Angsty music. Angsty music about how Heath wants so much more and you're so undemanding. Which, what does that even mean? I'm not sure. But apparently people love the music in this film. Oh. It is an MTV film. MTV. MTV circa 2003. It was, it was, it was a banner year for music. But anyways, 
So we have they they fast forward. So Kate has this like secret cove cave where she brings Heathcliff or Heath. Sorry, no cliff, no cliffs. It's under a cliff. Um, cliff bar. <laughs> um, and then they're kissing as children, I think, which is really creepy. Yeah, and then it transitions into them kissing as um, teenagers. And yeah, they just stayed in the cliff for ten years. <laughs> Yeah, there there are some weird decisions going on in this. Yeah, early Tommy Waisu kind of uh, <laughs> harkening back. Yeah, but to be fair, I think the room is better than this film. It really is. Yeah, the room the room has that spark. Although this one is it's getting on par. Some of the awkward sex scenes um, really yeah. are. There is a scene where I think he is like aiming for the belly button. So yeah. you know, also sex on a beach, which just seems to me like a really bad idea. It's terrible. So much abrasion. <laughs> also, the, the sea creatures do not need that. They have enough going on with pollution. They don't need weird, random people having sex right at their front door. Like, Speaking of sea creatures. <laughs> <laughs> we have an invertebrate. Yeah. Throughout the film, I was basically just calling Linton an invertebrate. You idiot invertebrate. Because um, he is basically spineless. Like, and, and I suppose that's also true in the book. But yeah, he just... I mean, he literally looks pale. But he also is just a non-entity. Yeah, yeah. Except really... at some point he does threaten Kate and it gets real rape culture, rapey. Yeah. yeah. It's not good. This whole film is um, evidence for the, you know, existence of rape culture. Yeah, for, uh, for a film aimed at teens, yeah. we get um, instances of both um, male and female sexual assault without actually acknowledging that it is sexual assault and sexual right. violence. Exactly. It's actually sort of tried, you know, they, the film tries to pass it off as love. Yeah. Um, and just so many unhealthy um, intimate partner violence that's plassed off as I'm obsessed with you and I love you and I'll kill you if you ever leave me. Yeah. And I don't know, it's it's disappointing in 2003 that they, yeah. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, like five, yeah. 15 years ago, they could oh, have 15. done done something yeah although i suppose this is also something we can get into like the book or yeah. people's reception of the book so many people read wuthering heights as like a love story unambiguously yeah. a love story and that's so wrong because i don't i don't think i mean emily bronte wrote this as like a dark gothic tale which gothic literature is you know stuff of nightmares so it's all about how Catherine and Heathcliff are so, you know, they're they're so wrong for each other in the in their obsessive states, um, and that leads to their deaths. And it's really only the children that sort of get to have once once well, spoiler alert, <laughs> once all the parents die, they get to sort of escape and have their own life, presumably. But this film really does pass it off as a love story. Um, because we don't even get the children no. being no. the redemption story. Yeah, there's there's no redemption whatsoever at the end. Linton is implied to be still alive and voyeuring. Um, yeah. <laughs> being a voyeur uh, with Catherine's child that she birthed. And well, no, Heath takes the child away. Yeah, but, but Linton, like, the last scene that you see is him oh. looking through his creepy telescope some weird twilight shit there yeah i mean yeah this was twilight before twilight yeah i mean well now we know where you know she got her inspiration yeah and i mean really twilight is um 
Bronte fan fiction. It's based on Wuthering Heights and it Jane Eyre. It actually is, yeah. because don't ask me why I know this, but Bella's favorite book is Wuthering Heights, and she carries it around. And actually, following the success of Twilight, they um, republished Wuthering Heights with like a Twilight-style book cover. And Edward is um, Edward Rochester, yeah. right? Um, so you have all of the Brontes. No yeah. What? No Heath. No Heath. <laughs> just Cliff. It would be a little bit obvious. <laughs> um, but yeah, you just have like all the Brontes. The, oh, well, not poor Anne. Not Anne. Poor Anne. Poor Anne. But um, the other two, <laughs> Charlotte and Emily, I mean, right? Like their yeah. books are, like you said, idealized romances. And yeah. I mean, even Rochester is an asshole. Yeah. Yeah, Rochester is not supposed to be your ideal, you know, leading man. I mean, Hotchester with the fast bender version, <laughs> which maybe we'll do one day. But yeah, I don't know. Like, all these men are, they're, now we, a lot of people think of them as, like, the, the dark brooding character that, you know, like, if you go to get your fortune told, like, you're told you're going to meet, meet a dark, tall, dark stranger. Yeah. And that's, like, playing, that's what we think of Rochester and Heathcliff now, but they're really... They're they're monsters. Yeah, they're the Byronic hero, and Byron was a creep with pubes in, that he kept from all of the ladies and gentlemen he slept with. Like, why 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 do you want to ideal? That's like that? where we get the incest from. Oh my! Byron God. used to about, uh, boast about his ancestral conquests with his um, half sister. I think. Uh, nice, Byron, keeping you know? it classy. So you know, like Byron was early eighteen hundreds, and Brontes were just slightly after. So. Probably were thinking about Byron when they wrote um, Rochester and Heathcliff. Yeah. Our Heath is as white as Wonder Bread and <laughs> just as bland as mayonnaise. But um, Discount Kurt Cobain. Discount Kurt. <laughs> yeah. And so it's so bizarre to see, like, this character that's constructed that's supposed to be this Byronic hero that's just yeah. discount Kurt Cobain. He doesn't have the dark hair. Um, he can't really pull off the brooding, if I'm being honest here. He just kind of opens his mouth and yeah. breathes through it. And I'm sorry, those lyrics are terrible. Oh. Fight me on this. He 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 does these, like, occasional screams to express his anger yeah. and angst, and it's just <laughs> so bad. Um, but as bad as he is, uh, Mr. Limp Biscuit knockoff <laughs> is even worse and smashes his nice guitar. Smash mouth. <laughs> Yeah, he does. He can't even smash it right. I mean, he just it takes a while for him to actually fully piece yeah. it out. We do get a smashed cello, too, which is very metal. Yeah, well, thrown into the sea. Poor cello. What did it ever do to you? So, anyway, in, in terms of plot line, I mean... There isn't much. Yeah, there's not much. You've got Heath in love with Kate. Kate in love with Heath, but pretends that she's in love with Linton, marries him. Isabel is trying to steal Heath away and is also trying to get Kate and her brother Edward Linton together. Yeah, and I think Kate maybe has a thing for Limp Biscuit. Like, yeah, no, Limp well, Biscuit. I think Limp Biscuit has a thing <laughs> for Kate. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, the way that they meet, like in the book. Right, yeah. So Heathcliff and Kate, uh, Catherine is a bit of a wild, she's a spoiled brat, mm -hmm. and she's sort of trespassing on people's property and she goes and spies on the Lintons who are having some kind of dinner party some kind of shenanigans and the attack dogs come out oh it's the dogs yeah and so the dogs are chasing Heathcliff and Catherine and the dogs get hold of Kate and Lint at Linton rescues her and yeah. brings her in and they take care of her for like two months yeah so in the movie 
we have a very romantic scene where um, apparently there's only two cars that ever <laughs> pass this road. One is Kate and the other one is Linton, and Linton and his Beamer manages to uh, knock over Kate's old pickup truck. And um, instead of, I don't know, calling 911 or going to the police or maybe just a hospital, um, he takes her home and places her on a dinner table and uh, has her recover at home. It's it's bizarre. Uh, yeah, that's one of the moments where they tried to copy the book into the modern age, and yeah. it really doesn't work. Like, where are the doctors? But also, they met one time before that, um, and this is the basis of him being obsessed with her, mm-hmm. where Kate just broke into this fancy house and was about to, I don't know, drink from their pool. I don't, I don't know what's going on in that scene. Like, she looked like an animal trying to, like you know. Like a thirsty deer. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Raquel, <laughs> yay, Raquel. Um, Raquel and um, Isabel are just sunbathing. Um, this is where we first see the wheel tail. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. get a little peep of it. Yeah, because she's got a, you know, Catherine Heigl's in a bikini, naturally. And a sarong just covering the whale tail just a yeah. little bit. And just invites them for lunch. And Keith believes that he owns Kate and forces her to leave. And, you know, there's a big, big argument. Somehow he drives his dirt bike up onto the pool. Yeah, I don't know how that works. No, and then he, he, has, some, he has some thoughts, so he rubs the dirt bike as any adult would. <gasps> they, are re- they really are still children. I think that's right, though, that it's it's trying so hard to keep some of the plot lines from the original text, and it can't figure out how to do it without putting it back in this, like, really archaic time where, you know, you didn't have hospitals that you would naturally bring somebody to. So, I mean, I think that's most of the plot line. Um, we do get some major differences where, I mean, other than the modern setting and the awful music, we do get some of the differences where, in the end... Okay, so Kate does die from childbirth. And I just want to add, needlessly, there's no reason why she should die. Like, she's on bed rest. There is, we do get the voice of a doctor. Right, so they have doctors in this universe. Yeah, but apparently they only come once and never come back for high-risk pregnancies, which seems very plausible. So she has her child who's a girl who's presumably Heath's, um, because she cheats on Linton, goes to Heath's little shack. The love shack. (laughs) <laughs> Which they call a barn, by the way. And I just love the fact that nobody understands what a barn yeah. looks like. Where are the an- I mean, I guess the, you know, it's supposed to be symbolism because Heath lives there that he's the animal. But yeah, it's definitely, it's not a barn, it's a shack. Yeah. Um, which they've converted into a studio for him to write his angsty, angsty music. Yeah. So they're like piss poor and yet somehow they he has can. He multiple buy- guitars, yeah. amps. Yeah. Um, dirt bike. Recording equipment. Yeah. Uh, Blink-182 has a sweet, sweet 76 Mustang. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I I don't understand how this, like, works in a realistic situation. Kate has a daughter who is not named in this one, right? No, she gets no name. Um, Heath delivers the child? Yeah, in the cave? In, in the, no, in the lighthouse. Yeah, so for some weird-ass reason, high-risk pregnancy walks down down the cliffs, not Heath's cliffs, but just cliffs, <laughs> um, goes into her weird cave. There's some weird yonic imagery with, like, this vaginal, like, opening in the cliff that she looks at. And then she, like, ghosts herself up to Heathcliff's barn, which is really a shack. Um, and then he comes and finds her. Yeah. And then carries her up the cliff. That she just came down. Into the lighthouse. Somehow delivers the baby you know when did he have time to get 
a degree or, you know, learn midwifery. I don't know. <laughs> but in any case, he delivers the baby. And then she is dying and he is crying on her shoulder where previously the baby was. So for a second, we thought he was smothering the baby. And then turns out by, you know, cinematic magic, the baby switched to the other shoulder. Um, baby's not crying the entire time. No, so, you know. bad APGAR score. That child um, yeah. definitely has some issues that would need to be tended to by a medical professional. But somehow she grows up to be totally you know, fine. Totally fine girl. No, um, riding on the back of Heath's motorbike on a very sandy soil, if I might mention. Yeah, that's not very very productive for a non um, dirt bike. He has like a Harley type of bike. So, <laughs> and then the you know parting scene of the film. Well, the second to last scene of the film is we see. Kate, ghost of Kate, sort of titanicking on the <laughs> on the rooftop. Yes, this. and then we see Linton's eye in this high powered telescope, very like clockwork orange, like. Yeah, it it seems as though the film is setting itself up for a sequel, um, where Linton maybe has a kid. Um, so maybe again borrowing from Wuthering Heights, that ending where the next generation takes over. Right. Um, so maybe Linton has some weird incest thing go on mm-hmm. with Yeah, what Isabel? happens to Isabel? Yeah, we, where does she go? No, they were She so, becomes Izzy. That's we that, Yeah, she out, goes yeah. to medical school. Yeah. I mean the only one that makes it out of and Raquel. Maybe Raquel does something good. Yeah. Yeah. God bless Raquel. Yeah. She really her and the toe guy, Macho Towing, I mean really those are Maybe she's his daughter. I don't know. Yeah, you know what? That would make sense. There's only like four people in the entire universe. Except she seems like a rich kid, so yeah, maybe true. not. She also uses the word bitch, so you know she's yeah. very subversive. <laughs> um, yeah, there's also Lighthouse features prominently in this film, and um, which just something to think about are all the ships that have probably crashed into the rocks um, because nobody seems to tend the lighthouse. Yeah, so they obviously did not consult experts uh, when they were making this film to uh, get a better understanding of lighthouse uh, function. Yeah, why did it have to be in a lighthouse? I don't understand that. Because it's symbolism, Amy. It's the symbolism of the light guiding you home. But you have so much good symbolism in the Bronte-like version. Where's the blasted tree, right? There's like a lightning blasted tree. Or is that Frankenstein? That's Jane Frankenstein. Eyre. No, That's Jane, Jane Eyre. Eyre. Jane Eyre and Frankenstein. No, yeah. you're right. yeah. So yeah. we don't have a lost duty. But we, we have... Okay, so here's some of we... I think we alluded to this earlier, but one of my favorite passages, and I'm probably going to mangle this, so don't expect me to quote it perfectly, but Kate is talking to their servant, which I guess they don't have the, the cook anymore because that would be outdated. Mm-hmm. But she's talking, um, and Heath is... Heathcliff is in the shadows um, listening, and Kate is describing her love for Linton is like the trees, but her love... Uh, which Heathcliff overhears and then leaves because he doesn't want to hear her talking about her love for a different dude. But um, but then she carries on that her love for Heathcliff is the rocks underneath, eternal. Um, and she, I am Heathcliff. But in the film, we just get her, like, dramatic sighing, saying, I am the same. We are the same person. I am Heath. And it's terribly acted. And she's saying it to Isabel, I think. Yes. Isabel. And meanwhile, creepy invertebrate Linton <laughs> is off in, like, not in the shadows, but he's the one overhearing this. Heath, Heath is there at some Oh, he's point. there briefly. So this is at some, like, dinner party, and he overhears her saying that she doesn't want to love him anymore, and he runs off, and then Edward takes over and is listening, eavesdropping. And, yeah, 
Uh, actually, Katherine Heigl does rightly call him out on this. Yeah. She's like, my brother the perv. Yeah. I Which, mean, you know, the, like, one accurate description of all these characters. Is this before or after the weird, like, bathing scene where they... You know, naturally, all girls totally just loop just, at each other yeah. in a bubble bath. That's normal. <laughs> um, so Isabel is bathing Kate. Mind you, they're, like, what, 18 at this point? I think so. There should um, be parents somewhere in the presence yeah. of this home as well. I don't know what's going on. But Edward is creepily standing outside the door watching them bathe each other. With his deep, deep V. Yes, that's where the cardigan comes that's in. That's where the deep V cardigan I don't even know in. if it's a cardigan. It's like a woolen jumper. It's, just, it's almost to the belly button deep. It's <laughs> pretty great. So anyways, back to that dinner scene where Kate is proclaiming her idea identicalness is that a word that's not a word uh, i feel <laughs> it's like claiming that she's the same person yeah they make up words in this movie anyways <laughs> yeah. but um keith runs out and isabel goes to find him in her fancy car yeah everybody has bmws because i guess in 2003 the uh, pinnacle of wealth was a bmw so. <laughs> yeah so she's in her bmw and she says to come back with her to her dorm and she mm, tricks it out with all this you know studio equipment and he's making music. There's this montage of her basically just being his maid, picking up all his crap after him. Pizza boxes. So, yeah, she's basically his maid now, but also his manager, where she finds he has burned his music onto a CD. And she takes that while he is sleeping and uploads his music to some weird website. Musicdrop.com? Yeah. Or something? Like a MySpace knockoff or Lime LimeWire LimeWire, Lime that's bringing back some memories. But yeah, she uh, releases his music and expects him to love her for that, but he clearly doesn't. I say she should have gone right straight for the royalties. Be a lot more comforting and warming at night. Uh, money will love you back because <laughs> you can use it to buy things like cats and goats. <laughs> but alas, she has no business acumen, and. He becomes Heath becomes a rock star and leaves Isabel behind. She goes to one of his concerts and, and gets a sweet French beret. Yeah, and looks totally like she's on some hard drugs. Oh yeah. Um, and deluded Isabel still thinks that she can make Heath love her, but yeah, he's off being a big rock star. And then this is a reintroduction to Kate, who's about to go on a honeymoon, having married Edward Linton. Uh, but she just steals some random girl's CD who's sitting on the pier. And then breaks it. Like, Yeah. I mean, put you, you can look at it. Put it back, though. Don't break it. <laughs> don't break somebody's CD. It's a jerk move. So she finds out he's this big star um, and decides not to go away with Linton and just stays in that weird there's a weird like really awfully decorated beach hotel oh my god no that's their house that's their house they honeymoon oh at home because the parents are away that's for right. two weeks apparently linton still lives still lives at home despite being very rich yeah and yeah I, I don't know why they would he not. can afford to throw a cello into the sea how come he can't have his own house yeah and i mean i guess isabel's completely out of the picture at that point yeah, Catherine Heigl's been shafted at this point. Yeah, she's getting ready for medical school, she, we like to think. so. Yeah, she also has some dramatic screaming when her mom comes in to tell her, like, we're worried about you. Oh, yes, the only adult who we physically see uh, is yeah, carefully clad in a business suit. Well, other than Earnshaw, the dad, who has a heart attack and dies. <sighs> Again, no doctor. Which um, Amy very <laughs> uh, carefully pointed out. <laughs> Earnshaw is... <laughs> 
They cremate him and put him in an urn, so he's literally Earnshaw. <laughs> That's it, folks. I'm done here. That was it. I think that was the pinnacle of the film. Um, that should actually be a pull quote on the front of this DVD case. By the way, we watched this on a DVD. Um, yeah. I feel like that was really hearkening back to... Uh, Which I bought used from Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Because there's not even, like, a digital version of this. Shout out, Barnes & Noble. Give us the money. <laughs> you know, this is quality quality material right here. Right. Two PhDs in English talking about books and films. Where else are you going to get that? But, yeah, I spent um, hard-earned $6 on this used, used DVD. So, you yeah. know, if you're in Atlanta and want to borrow this DVD, or we could do a screening. Yeah, this would be a fantastic... Um, lots of drinking games. Lots oh, yeah. of drinking games. Every time you have a dramatic sigh, drink. Every time there is um, the same song played over again. Yep. It'd be the one about crumbling. Crumbling. I will crumble. And if you should ever leave me, I will crumble. Um, every time you see Limp Biscuit's really <laughs> awful faux hawk. I mean, it's just real bad. I think I've had better mohawks than that just by accident. <laughs> yeah. My cat has had a better mohawk than that. <laughs> What else? Oh, um, uh, let's see. Every time the lighthouse seems to be unkept and a ship yep. is probably crashing into the rocks. Yeah. That happens quite Pour a bit. Poor one out for those poor ships. Yeah. I mean, really. Every time you see Isabel's uh, belly button whale tail. Oh, my gosh. The whale tail. Also, bonus points, and this would be a chug as fast as you can, our Heath, without the cliff, has a trim stamp on his back. So, anyways... Um, that's MTV's Wuthering Heights for you. Yeah, and a blast from the past, uh, back to the future. Back to the past. The future, the future isn't what it used to be, no. according to the lyrics of this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we don't really have to give our ratings. I mean, it's a clear adaptation. Oh, yeah, it's so bad. Um, watch it to get really intoxicated. Goodbye. That's our episode for the day. Let us know what you think. Yeah, our first podcast. So stay tuned for our next adaptations whenever that comes out, probably a month from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give us some suggestions. Yeah. And remember, folks, sometimes love isn't enough to hold you. Sometimes it's so strong it drives you away. 